Welcome to the first episode of the Public Speakers Podcast that actually has a guest on it. So we've been doing this podcast for about four or five months, just me talking to my microphone, uh, rambling about my stuff about public speaking. Finally started reaching out, getting some good guests on it. Uh, this is Oscar Garcia. Me and Oscar connected via LinkedIn. Uh, he made a piece of content on public speaking that I thought was pretty interesting, so I commented on it. Asked me if he wants to be on the show, and now he's on the show. So hopefully the series of interviews that we're going to be doing for the next couple years offers a lot of value because it's from individual people in the industry of public speaking, or even not in the industry, but have interesting thoughts on public speaking that can add value to the larger goal of what this podcast is. So Oscar, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from. Tell us where you're at right now because I don't even know what state you're in. I don't even know what country you're in. Um, well, I know you're in, you're three hours back, so you're on the West Coast, uh, and then we'll get into some questions. <laughs> Thank you, Ahmed, for having me uh, on your podcast. Uh, I love it. I didn't realize that, Julia. I'm the first uh, live uh, or person, so uh, what an yep. honor. So thank you. So again, uh, Oscar Garcia, I am the um, uh, founder and chief empowerment officer of Aspida. Aspida is a training and consulting organization. I founded it about, uh, actually, uh, uh, four years ago uh, this month, um, my uh, my background uh, is uh, 12 years in tech, uh, five different startups, co-founded a nonprofit with family and friends, did a career transition, and uh, went to go work for the um, Mountain View Chamber of Commerce. Mountain View is, if, uh, if I say the word or the name, Google, everyone knows Google, and actually Google is headquartered in my hometown in Mountain View. Wow. So... Uh, Yes, I was ahead of the chamber for almost seven years and then decided I wanted to uh, um, a change again. And uh, I left the chamber and I did a one-year uh, contract gig at LinkedIn doing community relations. And uh, it was during that time that I decided to venture out on my own and launch uh, uh, my company, Aspida. Awesome. So you've been in California, it seems like, all your life then, correct? Yes, I was actually born in Southern California. And a month after I was born, we moved back to Mexico lived there until I was five. And then my parents uh, said that they wanted to come back to California for about a year for economic reasons, you know, save right. money and then go back uh, home. And uh, either they're not good at math or they lost track. Or I don't know what the heck, but uh, I've been living in Mountain View now for uh, 45 years. So how long was your professional career before you decided you want to start Espita? I, I was it almost about... About 22 years. Wow. 22 yeah, years. 22 years. And then you decided to go the full-on route to be uh, an entrepreneur. Um, that's yeah, amazing. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Espita then. So Espita is a training organization that helps facilitate, uh, from what I understand of the company so far, better communication and public speaking skills. So I guess I want to try to jump right into that. Why did you decide to make that the central focus of your consulting firm? Yeah, well, that's actually one of the, the pieces. Believe it or not, let me back up a little bit. And um, the actual uh, central focus of Aspida uh, started on uh, doing LinkedIn training, ah. uh, teaching people how to use, to set up their LinkedIn account, but more importantly, to what I refer to as empowering others so opportunities come to them. Mm -hmm. And the example that I use is we think back in high school, like our senior year in high school, you know, and you know, those of us that are going off to college, we had a friend or some friends that were being highly recruited by a college or university because of their, usually it was their uh, uh, sports talent or right. some other talent. And what I say to um, professionals today, I said, when we're applying for a job, 
are we not telling that employer that we are the best candidate and therefore they need to hire us? Right. And of course the answer is yes. And so then my next question is, well, if you feel you're that good, why aren't those companies coming to you then and recruiting you like they did those high school students? Uh, and it's because we don't know how to market ourselves. And that's the foundation of what I teach. Now, obviously when I'm, when I'm teaching or, or doing the trainings, I'm in front of people speaking and, um, uh, and you know, it just uh, some people were were commenting like, "Wow, Oscar, you know, you're really inspirational. You're really good at what you do." And I started thinking back. I'm like, "Wait a minute!" But my natural personality is an introvert, right? Um, and and I've struggled for 25 plus years to get myself out of my comfort zone and and speak. And uh, I said, "You know what? I'm going to start teaching people." how to do public speaking and add that as another uh, offering uh, through Aspita. Right. So that, that makes a lot of sense, right? So you started Aspita as a training organization for individuals to better market themselves, specifically in the 21st century. And LinkedIn is an amazing place to market yourself, especially mm -hmm. to, uh, to prospective jobs. And then you realized you started speaking so much, people started getting so inspired by how you were communicating the offering of your training that one of the biggest aspects of being someone who's a prospective candidate, and I think we all know in today's day and age, is being able to publicly speak, give, give really good presentations. Yes. Um, yes. So th that's what I'm also really curious about. Your, your LinkedIn bio is like uh, ex-introvert turned public speaker. So <laughs> when you decided to start training people in Aspita, for 25 years, if you were an introvert, how did you, like, what was the underlying motivation to get you to start speaking and giving trainings to people so confidently if you were an introvert for so long? Yeah, well, two things. Number one is unlike most introverts, I didn't like being that way. Um, I, uh, in college, uh, one of my best friends in college, um, Will Rivera, who is now very successful in Southern California as a, as an attorney, as a lawyer, um, he was complete opposite. He, we took classes together and we would be sitting in class and the professor would ask a question and, or, or call on Will and Will could just like off the cuff, just speak for five, 10 minutes. And I was just like inside, I'm like, I was one, I was feeling stupid because I'm like, wait a minute, Will and I just read the exact same material and I, there's no way, and not even the concept that, forget the, being shy. I didn't even think about that. You know, I didn't like capture that, let alone now being able to just speak off the cuff. Yeah. And I didn't like being that way. And so I think that's one of the key things is that when you're uncomfortable, you don't want to be a certain way, you're going to do things that are uncomfortable to, to, to get better, better at it. Um, the second thing for me personally too, is I really enjoy helping people. Uh, and, um, in fact, actually in my business, sometimes I get criticized by, uh, coaches or other business professionals who are like, Oscar, you know, you're like giving so much away for free and this and that. And you know what? They're probably right. But here's the other thing too, is, is that I also, you know, you know what they say? Karma is the B word, right? Yep. And, yep. uh, I'm like, ah, that's not true. I said, karma is whatever we put out. So if, if, if you're getting bad things back, negative things back, then maybe you need to look in the mirror because maybe you're being the B word. Right. And so the more I help other people, obviously the more, uh, I believe the more positive things are gonna come out. And so, yeah, desire to change and willingness to help people is what has propelled me to um, do more uh, public speaking. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the beauty of public speaking to me. The reason I am so in love with public speaking, regardless of like, 
the amazingness of impacting people and the technical skills and like the the coolness that comes along with being a TED speaker or whatever it may be. It's the fact that you can go from someone who is so shy and, and, and someone who's in this state where they feel as if they can't be judged by the world because it cripples them so much. And then it becomes someone who is just phenomenally different and, and is ready to be an outlier in society. And I think that process is one of the most amazing processes we have evidence of as like yeah. some of the true experiences of happiness, right? Going from yes. someone who can't express themselves to someone who can express themselves and whatever manifestation that expression comes through. Right, right. I, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, that, that is true. And, and you know, I, I, there's some psychological terminology for, for that right. feeling or that process, which I don't know what it is. But, it you know, as I'm listening to you, it reminds me, uh, for example, someone that's gone through a very traumatic experience in their life and they overcome that and you know uh, at the end they they become a better person right. and then they take that message and they share it with other people right. um i mean i'm not obviously i'm not saying you know um well i guess i mean you can have the same feeling you know what they say about that people would rather die than, than speak in public so i guess that, that is kind of a traumatic but but it's idea you know you get what i'm saying it's not the exact equivalent of someone that goes through some severe hardship but it definitely is something that is very uh, satisfying and and gratifying to be able to overcome that fear of speaking in public and um, and helping others yeah because because to me I mean and, that, and that's where I see the philosophical value of public speaking it like all speaking is public speaking what we're doing right now is public speaking because it's gonna be yes. by the public right so yes. public speaking to me is a metaphor for like one of the greatest journeys you can have in life because in every mm -hmm. scenario in life you have to publicly speak versus it being some like art form on the stage that is so like sort of elitist, which I don't think it necessarily is. Um, yes. I, I like that you brought up it, uh, it's more fear than death because everyone says this, right? Like we hear this in all the textbooks, like number one fear is public speaking, death is second. I decided to do some research on that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a study done by uh, Martina Davidson and Karen Dwyer in 2012. The study that you're referencing that that is psychologically in you is from 1973. It was actually done in New Jersey. And it was a guy, oh, wow. his name was Brushquin. He took like a bunch of college kids and he just asked them to select what are their top fears. And they selected public speaking and death. But the question that wasn't asked, which is why all the textbooks misquote it, is the question was never on the survey, public speaking over death. They never had to rank their fears. They just had to pick their fears. So everyone kind of misinterprets it, but they did a counter study when people, uh, for like 880 high schoolers and they put some variables and stuff, people still put death over public speaking, but public speaking was up there with death. So <laughs> I guess people still are more afraid to like literally die, <laughs> than public but I know some people yes. who would rather die to be honest. <laughs> um, cool. Awesome. So. Uh, you talk a lot about your heritage uh, on LinkedIn. You make a lot of posts and sort of content about um, being Latin and, and how when people say you have to speak English, you're like, no, that's not the right way to, to approach someone when, when you want to train them. What is it about your heritage and your national identity that propels you to make a lot of that content, particularly on LinkedIn? And what's the larger message and goal you have with incorporating your identity into public speaking? You know, you're right. I do um, make a lot of reference to my heritage, and it really it's it's my my uh, my upbringing. Mm. Um, my very first article that I wrote on LinkedIn is titled "I Am a Minority," and um, normally the word minority has a negative connotation. You know, minorities rank at the bottom of 
uh, high school graduation. It's right. at the bottom of this, you know. I mean, you just pick whatever category, and we're like, you know, rank at at, uh, at the bottom. And and growing up, I mean, I was I was picked on, I was bullied, I was made fun of, et cetera, and so forth for being a minority or because of my heritage or the type of food I ate or how I spoke English or whatever. And as I got older, I realized that anyone that's ever accomplished anything of significance is a minority. Think of like, think of like in business, how many people start businesses uh, and yet how many of those businesses actually succeed? In sports, how many youth play sports when they're when they're young and how many of those actually make it into professional sports again very small percentage all of them are and minorities so, technically yeah 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 and so i actually take the word minority and kind of reversed it and said it's actually a very powerful um um uh word not it doesn't uh, have to have that negative connotation and that actually has become the foundation of what it is that I communicate and what I share to, to other people. I'm really about trying to look into what are some of the challenges that we've gone through in life. I refer to it or as we all go through crap in life. Crap stinks, but it's also fertilizer. And so yep. my goal is to help people look at the crap, yet identify the fertilizer, the positive things in their life, and then how they can use that life experience to continue to grow and propel uh, and achieve whatever it is that they they want to achieve. And so I just found it easier for me to talk about my, my heritage, my background, because, you know, I've lived it, I've experienced right. it. And I think one of the best ways to teach someone is through your own personal experiences versus watching a YouTube video on you know, how to be a certain way or, or read a book and how to be a certain way or experience. No, it's like I freaking lived it. I've experienced it. So let me tell you what I did to overcome that. That's why. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because the process of, of taking adversity or something bad that happened in your life and using it as not even just motivation, but as something that gets you to get to the next point of your life where you overcome that to some extent, right? Because sometimes you can, it's kind of always there your entire life is a very difficult process, especially when it's built upon your identity, right? And I think in the yes. age we're living in uh, with certain leaders that we currently have, um, it, it is getting very hostile. And you're talking about you lived in California, and, and California is supposed to be, you know, the progressive state, and you were still getting yes. bullied for your heritage at a young age as well. Um, yes. So that, that makes a lot of sense, and that makes a lot of sense why we need to overcome that. So what what is your sort of overall thought on identity politics? Because I think that when people are like, we need to reject identity politics because it fractures us. I think that's ridiculous, right? Like the whole point of diversity and inclusion is so that we embrace our identity, not let it over-determine us, but definitely let it determine certain parts of how we live our lives, right? Yeah. You know, interesting <laughs> um, you asked that question because just last week I was having a conversation with another friend of mine. Actually, she also has a podcast as well. And um, in that particular uh, situation, uh, I was talking about how a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some of us Latinos, or not all Latinos speak Spanish. And in how, um, you know, some Latinos look down upon those that don't speak Spanish. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you're not whatever. You're not Mexican enough. You're not, you know, uh, Puerto Rican enough or whatever it is, you know, and that's not true. What we all, we all have our journey. We all have our experiences. We all have our stories. And what I've realized 
is, is that we are stronger together. And to use the metaphor of a sports team right now, since baseball, we're in the playoffs, you cannot win a World Series with nine top pitchers. You need the, the best in each position, the best yep. catcher, the best pitcher, the best first baseman, the yep. best designated hitter. I mean, and and so, and each of those players are different. They bring their own strengths. And that's what makes a, a winning team. And so that's the lens that I look at things. It's like, dude, I don't give a I don't give a rip if you speak Spanish or not. I don't give a rip if you're like tenth generation. I don't care if you were already here when the pilgrims landed, okay? Or you just arrived. Okay. Is who are you? What's you what's in your heart? And you know, do we share some some common goals, common values? And at least in my case, it's like, you know, just help other people. And if that's the case, then man, welcome to the team. Right. Yeah, I agree. Thousand percent. Um, okay, let's talk about the fear of public speaking. So you've obviously encountered a bunch of people who have probably been afraid of public speaking, who you've been trying to get through the process that you described us. What are some of the steps you take since you give out all your best stuff for free um, of getting people <laughs> to go from I am scared shitless to I can give a speech in public? Yeah. So um, I kind of take them through this four-step process. First, the first thing is that um, it has to do with working with with our self-esteem or, or building our, our, our confidence mm -hmm. in who we are and realizing that, um, that um, number one, it, it's, it's acknowledge the fear of public speaking, but also be willing to embrace the fear of public speaking. I use the analogy, I always speak in a lot of analogies, okay? And that is like, imagine our, our our place is burning down obviously the first thing we're gonna you and i are gonna do is we're gonna man run out the door or the window whatever the heck you know for safety but what does a firefighter do they run into the burning building because they're gonna put it out but let's take it a step further they actually are we're running away from fear they're running and embracing the fear yep, yep. and so so in public speaking i tell people acknowledge the fear yes but embrace that fear the other thing too is in terms of the actual self-confidence is, is that, I mean, I, when I say 25 years, I'm, what I'm really referring to is that for 25 years, I have been on a personal growth and development journey, reading a lot of positive, you know, self-help books. And, You've been self-actualizing yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in my opinion, that's something that is ongoing. Right. It's like taking care of our health. I'm I've been taking care of my emotional health. Have I been doing a good job every the other 25 years? No, okay? I've, I've missed many times at the emotional gym, <laughs> going to the emotional gym. But being aware of that journey, okay, is very important because once you believe in yourself, you're confident in who you are and in, in your background, et cetera, then you are going to be able to project that strong self-image in front of others, whether it's through Google Hangouts or whether it's talking to a thousand people uh, on stage. How do you think people get yep. to embrace the fear? Like, yeah. Like how do we run into that fire, especially when like it's a fire? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's what uh, I take some baby steps and let me give you a very simple baby step. And when I, when I mean baby steps, I'm talking about look for small victories that makes you stand out from the masses right. because we have to remember public speaking 
a lot of people are afraid. I don't care what your title is or whatever. I mean, you could be the CEO of a company and still be afraid to speak in front of Most your Most of them employees. are. That's why they pay trainers. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So a small step that you can take, and I've done this myself, is next time you go to an event, notice how very few people sit in the front row. Uh. It's... Maybe it's because they're afraid that maybe the speaker's going to pick on, uh, uh, choose them to, to for, for a question, and therefore, if you're speaking in big audience, okay, or maybe I don't know, maybe they're too close to the stage or whatever. But just notice that phenomenon. Very few people ever sit in the front row. Early on, I caught on to that, and I said, "Wait a minute, I'm going to start sitting in the front row because by me sitting in the front row, I'm one of the few." And I looked around. Sure enough, I would look around behind me. And even people that I knew that are way more successful, way more confident than me that I've seen them speak, were sitting in the back row. And for me, that little victory of separating myself from the masses, or, or that, excuse me, that little gesture was a small victory that helped me separate myself from the masses. Right. That is what I mean. Look for example situations where you just notch these little victories because those little victories for, especially for those of us that are introverts, it's 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 um it's a little stepping stone to that next level of building our confidence of doing things that other people are not willing uh, to do. I agree with you. I agree. When when I've coached clients, it's it's also it's kind of figuring out why they're afraid in the first place, and then getting yeah. little little victories along the way, and then eventually it all boils down to something good. Um, but it's just amazing to me because humans are social creatures, right? Like we yes. are the only entities that that we have knowledge of in the known universe that probably not the only ones, but the ones that we have knowledge of that are conscious of our existence, that are even conscious really of our mortality. The fact that, you know, we're eventually going to die one day. And it's like to me, a lot of the fear of public speaking comes from a fear of how other people perceive you. And that fear of how other people perceive you and the fear of judgment that they'll have when you're on the stage, that they're laughing at me, that they're subliminally judging me, et cetera, et cetera fundamentally stops you from being able to express yourself. And the reason why yes. expressing yourself is important is because we're social creatures. It's like, if we don't express yes. ourselves. What is the purpose to this existence at that point? Right. right. What is the meaning of any of this? Um, yeah. So I a hundred percent agree with you. You gotta, you gotta, that's a really good analogy. Go into the fire. Um, and you know, usually the, the reason we hold firefighters in such a high regard is because they went into a burning fire, right? The reason we heard yes. LeBron James into regard is because he's taking the uh, crappy Lakers team as of last year and trying to do something with them, right? Like he's embracing <laughs> yes. the problem. And I think for public speakers, your problem is you have an audience that needs to be impacted. You are embracing that. Um, That's right. It's amazing. So let's talk about some technical components of public speaking. It is my belief and I'm starting a little training consulting firm as well, that the technical components are simply not as important as what you say, meaning how you say yes. your body movement, eye contact, hand gestures, all that matters. Um, but I think what I've seen from a lot of content in the industry that I've been researching, there's an overemphasis on like how you move your hands versus what yeah. actually comes out of your mouth. And I'm like, that's nonsense. I feel like, you, like the stuff that comes out of your mouth is going to impact people. But the technical stuff is important. What is one of your, yeah. I guess, favorite or couple of favorite things to really help people uh to teach people when they're trying to perfect how they uh, move on a stage or control a stage well uh, my style first of all it, it is uh i have my style but i also like you know i i let people know that you know you 
every single one of us needs to identify with what that I call our persona, you know, on yeah. stage, you know, what that is uh, for you. Um, don't try to be someone else, you know, and so you can observe other people and, and but, it, but in, you know, and, and, and if that becomes natural to you, then fine, do it, but identify your persona uh, on stage. But one thing too, for like for me personally, that I enjoy doing is, I like to walk around on stage. If you look at some of my videos that I share on uh, LinkedIn, social media, you'll see that I am never standing behind a podium, grabbing that podium. Um, no, I like to walk around because I like to um, be animated. I like to show my energy. Um, I like to basically feel, I mean, if you notice right now, we're talking here. I mean, like my hands are like all over the place. Yep, I feel <laughs> that's, you. That's my, that's you. my style. And, and, and and I like to make it make people feel like, even though I might be talking to an audience of several hundred people, I like every person to feel like I'm just talking to them. Right. right. And so those are just some of the things, you know, in terms of styles and so forth. Um, when I'm public speaking, then I teach people, identify your persona. And if possible, you know, try to do uh, things that uh, make people feel like it's, you're, it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah, I 1000% I agree with that, especially the persona part, because I've t I've tried to teach hand gestures before. And I'm like, you like the way my hands are moving right now, it's sort of symbiotic with my voice that just happens. And it's because I've been speaking yes. for a, a pretty long time. So when you start getting those little baby victories, you're going to start to notice your own swagger, right? You're going to start to notice parts yes. of things that you like. When I was in high school uh, speech and debate for four years, um, I got really good my senior year. But because my junior year, I was in so many debate tournaments. And I was like, looking at how my voice inflects at certain moments, looking at how yes. I react to certain things, looking at how I move back and forth into, in, in, in the debate round. And all of those things uh, uh, sort of accumulated into my style of speaking, which is a very hard thing yes. to teach, which is why I think the technical components of speaking shouldn't be emphasized as much as what you say. Because once you figure out what you want to say, the technical stuff. Yes. Comes. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, I have never taken any public uh, excuse me, um, not public, um, but, um, you know, been tutored in terms of speaking or coach or anything like that. It's just been a, just a, a process. <laughs> yeah. It's just, a, well, it's been a process, uh, for me. And I look back, uh, at some of, uh, I used to have a TV show when I worked at the chamber. Uh, it was a 30 minute, uh, TV show. I interviewed, uh, different business professionals and, oh my gosh, I look at some of those those uh clips i am embarrassed of myself because i'm so stiff <laughs> you know and, but 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 even though i'm embarrassed i'm also look back and i'm like you know what hell yeah man because i didn't let that hold me back yeah it sucked okay i'm embarrassed but i learned from that and i've gotten better and better over time let, let me ask you a question oscar are you happy right now in life i am and I why, am very happy. It, it, you say that confidently and you say yes it, what is an answer to that like why <laughs> Because I have a purpose in life and I have a vehicle by which I'm uh, achieving that purpose in life. Mm. Very yeah. simple. I was just thinking about this in the car yesterday. I was like, as our world gets more complex and intricate, we have more variables enter our world, meaning more geopolitical issues, more international issues, more social media technology. By the way, this social media stuff is like 10 years old. Like yes. the internet, the way we know it is 20 years old. If we think of that as a pyramid, the base, yeah. all these platforms that are allowing all of us to express ourselves are on the second base. And then all of us are on the third base that are using the platforms. Like 
a hundred years from now, the way we think of airplanes, like when we were born, airplanes were just there. That's how people are going to think of the internet. But the world will be getting more and more and more complex. And in all of that intricate complexity, what you just said is exactly what I think until we get a better answer is the answer to life. Find something you're kind yeah. of good at and make it your purpose and go all in. Like it is the yeah. it is the only if you're basketball go all in on basketball have a happy life if you're speaking go all in, like like find something you like and find a mission behind it and then yes. give it to the world and I think that you know that's the answer to life it's not that complicated. But I I agree with you I totally agree that's and and you know sometimes people will ask me because I also do career coaching um, as well and people will ask me like Oscar but you know how do I figure out what it is that I like and I'm like dude listen. Do the buffet approach, okay? I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, okay, when we go to a buffet, do we not walk around, at least I do, walk around the uh, buffet to kind of scope it out and see what's there, I lift the lids, okay, right? And then why am I doing that? Because one, obviously I'm hungry and I wanna make sure there is something there that I like and then identify those things that for sure. Then the next thing though is do what our parents always told us, at least our, our mom, don't say you don't like something until you try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so try something. And in this case, there's an opportunity. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a, 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 a side hustle. Maybe it's a business. Try it. And if it and if it doesn't work, well, A, you learn what you don't what doesn't work and why you don't like it. But if it does work, shit. Now you just added something else, you know, to your food menu here, to your food palette that you like. And in some cases, dude, like me, man, you know what? I mean. I, I can just live being Mexican. I love beans. Okay. I can just live on bean freaking tacos. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I love them. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, which goes back to your point that if you basketball or whatever, if you find something that you really love and passion, then go all in. Well, dude, I'm all in on bean tacos. Okay. I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna be a, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's so funny. Cause like, I also, um, I, I keep making basketball references cause I literally did your buffet approach in my freshman year of high school. I, I was on the speech and debate team. I was a pretty good debater, right? Because I, I had some, some natural speaking skills. And then I went to my debate coach, Mr. Austin, if he's watching this. I, I still have a good relationship with him, so he's, he might be watching this. I said, Mr. Austin, I'm quitting the debate team to pursue my dreams of being in the NBA. And he just looked at me. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure about that? I was like, yes, I'm sure. So I quit debate by like September, right when school started. I joined basketball for the next two years. I had potential, okay? I wasn't bad. But my coach was like, how tall are you going to be? How tall are your parents? And I was like, five, five. And he's like, all right, you're not, you're like, he basically was like, you're not yet. He's like, he was like a mitt. Like I was starting JV point guard for our team. Um, we did really bad. Oh, well. the, the point was like, I just wasn't getting taller. So then junior year, I came back to debate and I was like, Mr. Austin, I came back to debate. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I thought you would. So I, but I, but I, if I had the regret of not even trying to do basketball, it would have eaten me yes. alive, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. That is a, yes. Yeah, and it, and it, you know it's it's true that uh, again uh, you know just uh, taking that uh, that buffet approach you know with with things, and I'm like just try it you know and even even today with my business you know there's things that I'm like screw it I'm just gonna try doing this and see if it works and it's like it it some stuff yeah has worked other stuff no like I remember thinking when uh, when the LinkedIn platform about two, two and a half years ago came out with, yeah, that you can add videos uh, to it. Um, some people were doing video resumes uh, yes, on LinkedIn. Yes, I've heard of that, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people actually, that some of their videos went like viral and this and that. And I thought, you know what? I think video resumes are gonna be kind of the thing next. And it's, 
not. I mean, yeah, you still see some of those, but not really. No, you're and right. I actually you're put right. together, yeah, I put together a workshop and all that, you know, on how to do video resumes. And, and it's like, <laughs> no one wanted yeah. that but damn you have to workshop. Try, so, if it shit. did turn out, you would be the top organization in training people how to do video resumes if it would work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess this is like one of my final two questions. What do you think is the future of Expedia? Do you see it like becoming a bigger global entity or do you see it sort of being centralized in California? What, I guess, mission or vision do you see in the next five to ten years? Yeah, I, uh, you know what? Um, so uh, about in August, I was in Panama the, through the U.S. Embassy. They contracted me to go out there and do a series of LinkedIn trainings wow. for university students, That's women's fantastic. groups, startups, entrepreneurs, yeah, businesses. It was a phenomenal experience and even though I am fully bilingual, bicultural in Spanish, and you know I'm Mexican, um, most of the stuff that I've done has been here in, in the U.S. and in Silicon Valley. And um, and so I went to Panama, and my eyes completely opened, and I'm like, wait a minute, there are three big things that I have going for me that I need to take advantage of through a speeda. Number one obviously my culture. Number two, that I'm fluent in Spanish. And number three, that I live and I'm from Silicon Valley because everyone and their mother wants to come to Silicon yeah. Valley. So if I can take those three things, plus obviously my my uh, trainings and knowledge and et cetera, and take that to, to Latin America or just to other countries, dude, that is like freaking golden. Okay, that is golden opportunity. And so I'm actually going back to Panama uh, next week. I'll be there for 10 days to do uh, some more uh, trainings. Um, I'm looking forward to doing uh, uh, things in Mexico, Colombia, uh, other Latin American countries, and uh, even actually out in uh, in Spain uh, in Europe as well. So right. now my goal, my goal is to uh, grow a speeda to have um, multiple uh, trainers uh, provide training in, in English and Spanish, and also on a personal level to set it up to where I don't have to be in any particular geographic location in order for me to to run my business. So, so that's that's insane to me because I'm I'm 22 right now and I'm trying to do what you're doing. So that that's phenomenal. So the U.S. Embassy contracted Expedia, this little company yes. in California, to contract yep. workshops in Panama on LinkedIn yep. training and you yep. guys got that bit and then and then once you went there you realized how international of a flavor you have for the stuff that you do because of your bilingual oh, yeah. your heritage and now you're thinking where can I take this next essentially hell yeah dude hell yeah no it's yeah in and six months ago I never even imagined having uh, this this wasn't even in my radar. Yeah, I was thinking of Mexico because, again, I have relatives out there. But I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, it's so poor Latin America. And now, I mean, because I – see, I'm a huge believer, too, in building relationships first. Yep. Uh, as, uh, building uh, relationships first, business second. And, um, and so when I went to Panama, that's what I, that's what I did, you know, develop, start developing some friendships and so forth. And, um, this second time around, I'm going not through because of the U S or through the U S embassy, but rather because of the relationships that I forged when I was there in August. Phenomenal. And so just building on that. That's amazing. And then, you know, and like, and then it's just, then it's just a question of just like, keep putting the stuff out there for free and let karma do its work. 
right? Because then yes. there's like the world is global. You're gonna get so many people who want it, who want more trainings. Maybe on LinkedIn, maybe on public speaking. That's when you start getting invited to do these fifty thousand dollar talks and places, right? Like that's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. It's a yeah. Thing. No, thank you. I'm, but I'm proud of you, man, for for what you're doing too. I mean, because. Um, Dude, when I was 22 years old, dude, I i mean, I couldn't even talk to a tree, okay? Because uh, I was afraid the tree might talk back to me, dude. And look what you're doing. <laughs> no, I feel you. I, I, I thank you for that. But it, it's also just like, I think you grew up in a different age, right? That's why I have so much empathy yeah. for people who are a little bit older than me. Because like social media, I think, has made it, maybe I'm wrong about this, but a little bit easier to communicate, right? Um, because we yeah. have a little bit more of a platform. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people who still are afraid they can't communicate because they've always had that fear. But I think we have technology in my generation. And you guys yeah. have technology. What you guys have is the wisdom on how to use all your experience yeah. and incorporate into the technology. Buddy, see, this is – see, so if you know uh, earlier in, the, in our conversation, uh, I do talks for um, young folks, you know, in, your, in their 20s like yourself to middle-aged uh, professionals and then old farts like myself. Dude, I just turned 50, okay, earlier this year, okay? Phenomenal. But, but here's my thing is I tell people, I'm like, listen, when we can get the experience from, like you said, from older folks with the energy and the technical savvy that young professionals like you have, and you put those two together, dude, Game over. you're freaking, exactly, dude, Game over. exactly. Right. Because the, the, the one thing you can't buy is experience that that no. literally physically takes time through all the yes. shit you've got. And when you're and when you're and I, as I've gotten older, I actually I, I teach in public speaking classes throughout the week and I'm working with like fifth graders. And I just it blows my mind how young and innocent these kids are. And it makes me realize I was once a fifth grader and I was exactly <laughs> in their position. And then when I speak to you, yeah. who's 50, I'm like, I'm 22. One day, God willing. I will also be at that position. So yeah. to try to delegitimize someone's um, life because of their age in relation to how they can uh, approach the new world is ridiculous. All of us have accumulated experience that is going to eventually help us in whatever field that we're in. So when I yes. talk to these fifth graders, I give them my experience of going from fifth <laughs> yeah. grade to high school, right? Because they're almost entering middle school and they're like nervous about it. And I'm like, this is how I navigated that. You're 50 talking to me at 20. You're like, look, this is how I navigated it. Whether you choose to yeah. believe in it or not, it happened. It was actually experienced. Yes. And now it's just a question of the communication delivery method, which obviously you're yes. very good at um, to be able to relate to people. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I tell you, uh, I, uh, I tell um, uh, folks, uh, you know, my age, uh, because a lot of times, you know, uh, folks my age, um, I hear people say, oh, you know, but Oscar, I'm not, I'm not as tech savvy, you know, some of these young professionals. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not a mechanic, mm -hmm. but I know how to drive a car. Yep. So what's your excuse? Freaking learn the basics. <laughs> yeah. And I, these platforms can't make it much more easier for us. It says start a post. <laughs> Click, select post, post. <laughs> like, it's, they're not doing. It's not. It's not like coding. They did all the hard coding so that it was easier yeah. for us. You know. um, awesome, awesome, man. Okay, so um, I think we're gonna end it right there. If uh, you want to give anyone some of your uh, information, socials, where to find you, any uh, work on Expedia, you can do that right now. And then uh, any any last comments on public speaking, and we'll be done for the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for the invitation. And uh, if anyone uh, is interested in learning more about uh, Aspida, they can go to uh, aspidabiz.com. That's uh, A-S-P-I-R-A 
speedupbiz.com. Uh, they can also follow on uh, Instagram, which is um, uh, speedupbiz. Uh, and then also um, get, reach out to me uh, via email at oscar at speedupbiz. So uh, anyways, um, just want to thank you again for the opportunity. Yeah, thank I you. am super super proud of for what the work that you're doing and buddy, I mean, you are impacting thousands and thousands of people out there. Um, many of whom you won't even know and that's okay. But, uh, thank you for, for what you're doing. All right, man. That's Oscar at Aspira biz. Check him out and we'll see you next time on another episode of the public speakers podcast.